know, this is the part where normally after I've greeted you, I introduce myself. And normally I say something like, uh, I'm Stan, I'm the lead pastor here, and it's great to be with you, yada, yada, yada. This week, though, I realized that when I tell you that, I'm not really introducing myself to you at all. You're not getting to know me at all when I say, I'm, I'm staying the lead pastor here. Because even within that role of pastor, I'm a, a preacher, I'm a, a leader, I'm a carer, I'm a chair straightener, I'm a fundraiser, I'm a toilet cleaner. All those things go into that. But beyond that, there, there's much, much more to my identity. I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pop-pop, that's grandfather for those of you that need translation, and uh, I'm a brother, I'm an uncle, I'm a friend to some, and um, I got a couple of uh, other identities that uh, some of you will be familiar with, you've heard me mention before, but when I, uh, when I break this out and I put this on, I'm a baseball umpire. And I love doing that. It's, it's so much fun to yell at people and to say, you're out of here, and stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, that's another identity that I can carry. And then, just yesterday, I got to do this one. When I put this shirt on, I am a gridiron official, all right? And what that means, as a gridiron official, it means that I get to watch the plays, and when somebody does something wrong, they do the wrong thing, I get to pull this out, and I get to go, whoop, you know, I'm going to start bringing that to church, <laughs> yep, all the time, especially staff, through the week and everything, when they do the wrong thing, there we go, yep, you, hey, you know you messed up when the, when the flag is thrown. I had a question, who are you? Who are you? How do you see yourself? You know, there's been studies done over the last several decades that reveal to us that the way we view ourselves largely informs the way we behave in life. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of times that drives our self-esteem, it drives our self-worth, and we get our value, and many times even uh, the defining of who we are by the way we perceive ourselves. What we believe about ourselves, therefore, becomes self-fulfilling. And we end up in a trapped space because we keep believing this stuff about us. Now, in more recent years, one of the, the trigger words or keywords running around is identity. Everybody's searching for an identity, and people change their identity and decide that they're going to be somebody different all the time. And th this sticks or starts with us as we're growing up. I remember when I was growing up, I tried on a lot of different identities, and some of the most prevalent ones when I was a teenager, there was a season that I was Cowboy Stan, all right? <laughs> cowboy Stan, yeah, I, I had the hat and everything, although we were not uh, uh, well off financially growing up, so I had this straw hat that was supposed to be like one of these big Stetson hats and things. I was Cowboy Stan, had the boots and, and, and all that, which were usually cheap imitations, but anyway, that, I, I need therapy for that growing up poor. But anyway, then after the cowboy stand, or maybe before the cow cowboy stand, it all runs together for me, but I was disco stand. Yeah. Yeah. 
You can't believe that. Those of you who've been around a while and seen me do the happy dance and stuff, you know, you're like, what, right? Disco stand? Yeah, I had the silk shirt, platform shoes, the scarf, all that. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no photos, there's no evidence. Praise God, the digital photography did not exist back then. You know, how we view ourselves and our identity is, is massive. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, a lot of the things that we believe about ourselves or the identities we, we try on are not true. Many people have a negative view of themselves that they've arrived at by misinformed and unauthorized voices in their lives. You know who we should listen to about our identity? The one who created us. See, God created us. He created the whole universe. He created us. So he is the one who is authorized to talk to us about our identity and tell us who we really are. Peter, one of Jesus' early disciples and followers, who he said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. He's telling Peter, you're going to be a key element of that first church and then the ongoing church. Peter wrote some words to us in the first uh, epistle that he wrote in chapter 2. He tells us what God thinks of us how God views our identity. So to understand our true identity, though, we need to understand who Jesus is. And Peter starts there with this whole identity talk, okay? So we're going to go to 2 Peter, or 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, and here's what he says. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. It says that Jesus Christ was the cornerstone of God's temple. Jesus Christ was that, that starting stone where everything else was going to line up with and be built from. And it says that he was rejected by people, but chosen by God. Ever feel rejected by people? You're not putting your hands up. Okay, it's just me. Okay, yes, thanks. There's a couple of us feel rejected sometimes. Jesus was rejected, but chosen by God, it says. Now, you need to understand this story. We have to go back a little bit further. As we read through the Old Testament, we see over and over again Israel, God's chosen people, we see their rejection of God through their behaviors. If you are doing the uh, Seeking Jesus Together Quiet Time tool, you'll know that it, we've been going through Malachi in the month of December so far. We finished that up today. But in Malachi, we see a lot of the ways that God's chosen people were rejecting him. We see marriages that were a complete train wreck and mess. We see that they were giving God leftovers as sacrifices. They were giving uh, lambs that, that were, were lame and spotted and just had all kinds of disease and stuff like that as offerings to God. And then these people, it says that they were wailing and they were distraught because God wasn't answering their prayers. They couldn't understand why God wasn't listening to them. They were robbing God by not giving him their tithes and offerings, it tells us in Malachi and then they started questioning God's goodness and asking themselves this question. Is it really worth it to be identified with God? 
Is it really worth the sacrifice to follow God? That's how they were rejecting him. And then God went quiet for 400 years. And that's where Jesus came in. After 400 years of silence, he sent Jesus into the world to save his people from their sins. If you are here last week at Wonder, you heard about that. Jesus came to be the perfect sacrifice, to be the reconciliation between human beings and God. Unbelievably, some still rejected. That's what we see in this verse. He was rejected by people. Christ was rejected by people, just like God had been rejected by his chosen people for thousands of years before. Jesus came to do for people what people could not do for themselves, and still many rejected him. But he ushered in what we call the new covenant. When Jesus died for your sins and my sins, he died for the sins of the whole world. God's chosen people who was Israel now included everyone. It embraced everyone. As we consider that backdrop and we consider our identity, how we respond to Jesus, he was rejected by people, but chosen by God, how we respond is crucial to our identity. It says this, as the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, that was Jesus, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. If you trust in him, you'll never be disgraced, but for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. When it comes to Jesus, we have two options. We can trust him or we can reject him. There's no middle ground. There's no wishy-washy. There's no, oh, maybe, but I'm not quite sure. There's we trust him or we reject him. Now, for some, that's a journey. We understand that, that you don't just hear about Jesus and immediately you're saying, yep, I'll trust him. You're, you, you might have to figure that out. But in the end, it's trust him or don't. And don't does not lead us to a healthy place. It leads us to eternal separation from God for, forever. Trusting him, we, be with God, we will be with God forever. Here's how uh, uh, God views those who trust in Jesus. It says this. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. The ones that follow Jesus are a chosen people, not the ones that are going to be disgraced, okay? Eugene Peterson, who uh, wrote the message uh, translation or transliteration or, or, yeah, commentary, really. You are the ones chosen by God from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. I like that. I don't know about you, but knowing that I, I came from nothing to something. I came from rejected to, to accepted. You know what that means? However you view yourself, God says you are accepted. Is that good news to you? Yeah, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure you think that's good news. That is fantastic news. You should be excited about that today because you, if you're following Jesus, are accepted. Again, Israel was God's chosen people. In Christ, everyone's included. And race doesn't matter. Look around the room. 
Isn't it beautiful? I love looking around this room because it's so beautiful. The different nations that all come together. Look around the room again. There's men. There's women. Wow. There's no division between those. Look around the room again. There's poor in the room. There's wealthy in the room. There's no division. You're all accepted in God's eyes. That's what he says. Your identity is accepted. You know, most of us, many of us, spend a lifetime searching for that to be accepted. We look at it or look for it growing up from our parents. Then as we get a little bit older, we look for acceptance through our peers. We look for acceptance with our partners if we have those. We're desperate for acceptance and affirmation. That's the state of us going through life. But God says already, you are accepted. When we're seeking that acceptance from others, it influences everything we do. It influences what we wear. It influences what we drive, the career we choose. Because we love to know that someone has chosen and accepted us. Take your minds back to when you were a little kid. Maybe you were seven or eight or ten, something like that. Or maybe this happened when you were 20. I don't know. But you're, you're getting ready to, to play uh, footy or soccer or cricket. I don't know why you do that, but anyway. Um, and the two best athletes amongst your peers are the team captains, right? And then they start picking. I want Jimmy. I want Joey. I want Beth. I want, the, you know, and, the, and they start picking the people. And as the, the people to pick from get smaller and smaller, and you're still standing there, how do you feel? Huh? How do you feel? And then, you know what happens is then, then you're the last one. And Nobody wants you. So, so both coaches of the team or both captains of the team say, hey, you can have him or you can have her. Anybody experience that? It's confession time. My hand is up, actually. Believe it or not. Yeah, I know you can't believe that. We want to be chosen. We want to be accepted. When you're chosen, it lifts your self-esteem, makes you feel better about yourself. But friends, God accepts us with our flaws, with our shortcomings, with our insecurities, with our imperfections, with our immaturity. God accepts us. That's our identity in him. But it goes, it goes further than that. Look at this. You are God's very own possession. As God's very own possession, you know what that means about us? That means you are precious. God owns you. That makes you precious. How much are you worth? What are you worth? I'm not talking about your bank statement. I'm not talking about your net worth, your houses, your land, your bank accounts. What is your value? You know, value is determined by what someone is willing to pay, right? Used car market nowadays, right? Housing market, it's crazy stuff. But it's determined by what somebody's willing to pay. This glass of water could be worth whatever you're willing to pay. And depending on your scenario and situation, that could actually gain tremendous value, right? In a desert where there is no water, that kind of thing. 
Values determined by what someone's willing to pay. God owns you as a possession, but look at this. It says that God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. It cost God tremendously for you. That means you are valuable. You are of great worth. He paid for you with the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, dying on the cross. The cross demonstrates how much God loved you. It demonstrates that you are precious. If he's willing to pay that kind of price, anybody with a kid would let their kid die for me? No, of course not. And I wouldn't let my kid die for you. I love you, but I wouldn't let that happen. God said, you are so valuable. You are so precious. I'm going to let my only son die for your sins. Does that make you feel special? It should. You're precious. In Malachi chapter 3, it says this. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. My own special treasure. How do you treat your most valued possession? Your most treasured thing? You treat it with lots of care and protection. You want to make sure that it doesn't get broken when the grandkids come over, right? You put it on the high shelves and things like that, and then the shelf falls because your husband didn't know what he was doing hanging a shelf. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Thanks for listening. We cherish those things. We protect those things. If you have children, if you have grandchildren, you know what else you do? You protect them a lot, and you provide for them. You would give anything you had for their well-being because you treasure those things that are precious to you. You know, God protects and provides for his own special treasure. That's you and you and you and you and you and everybody. I'm not pointing at any one person. I'm pointing at all of you. I'm pointing at me. We are God's special treasure. That's amazing. You know, he says this right after that. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. See, in the Old Testament, priests were the mediators between God and other people. You had to go through the priest to communicate with God, to confess your sins, to get access to God. As priest, you have direct access to God. You don't have to go through someone else. People ask me to pray for them all the time, and I'm very happy to do that. It's a privilege to pray for you when you come and ask me to do that. But you know what? You can talk to God too now. It's not because I'm the pastor I get to pray for you, and God only listens to me. Actually, he probably listens to you more than he listens to me some days. God is accessible to you. We don't have to experience God through other people. But look at what it says. It says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. You can. You know what that tells us? Because you're a priest, God sees you as usable. You are usable. Do you ever feel like you're not that usable? Another function of the priest was to care for the needs of the people, to minister to people's needs, both spiritual and practical. God sees you 
you as usable in his service. God wants to use you. You know, if you feel useless sometimes, maybe like people don't have confidence in you. People don't trust you to do stuff. My, my grandson is uh, almost three, and uh, uh, he's got to that stage where he says, do it myself. Kelly, do it myself, you know, or himself or something like that. I don't even know what he says, but something like that. They don't always want help anymore. But God sees you as usable, not as useless. Friends, I, I think somebody needs to hear that. I know I need to hear that some days. You're usable, not useless. You are able. You are not disabled. Okay, we're talking about how God sees you and your identity and all those other things we talked about before. This is how God sees you. God sees you as qualified, not disqualified. You ever feel disqualified, like good for nothing, that kind of stuff? God sees you as qualified. He has given us the responsibility of showing others his goodness through what he's done in our lives and through our service. Back to Eugene Peterson in the message, he says this, we are God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. God sees you as usable. He wants you to speak out and he wants you to live out in front of the world and amongst each other to meet each other's needs. That blows my mind that God has entrusted us with that great responsibility. If people don't entrust you with responsibility, that's okay. God's given you a greater responsibility than any person ever could because he sees you as usable. He trusts you. He believes in you. We're accepted. We're precious. We're usable. But it doesn't stop there. There's more. It says this in verse 10. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Anybody need a bit of mercy in their life? Grace? Thank you. Thank you. You, according to God, if you're following Jesus, are forgiven. You are forgiven. That's your identity. Are you taking on a new identity this morning hearing all this? I, I hope so. I really can't tell. It's really quiet today. The wonder hangover maybe. But God says you're forgiven. You've received mercy. We went from no identity to being God's people. That is a massive leap. We went from not experiencing mercy to having God's mercy. That, again, is a massive transformative leap in our lives. What is mercy? It's compassion. It's withholding back judgment that we deserve. Many of us go through life guilt-ridden, ashamed of the things that we've done, sins we've committed, wrongs we've done to other people, and we wear that guilt, and it's heavy. We beat ourselves up because of our failures and our shortcomings. And then we wallow in the guilt of our sin and the shame. But friends, what God wants you to know is you're forgiven. He 
forgives. He doesn't rehearse your sin. He releases your sin. We remember, we rehearse, but God releases. Other people rehearse and remind us of our shortcomings, don't they? But God releases. We remember and we rehearse other people's shortcomings and failures, don't we? And if people are doing that to you, if I should do that to you, just remember God releases it. It doesn't matter if I'm rehearsing it, if I'm reminding it. See, God's mercy withholds what we deserve, punishment for our sin. And in his grace, he gives us what we don't deserve, which is all the blessings in eternity with him. So back to the question, who are you? Who are you? What words would you use to describe yourself? What words would others use to describe you? Here's something, this is gold, okay? If you haven't been listening up to now, listen to this. It's very important. Take this home. Words that describe you do not define you. I am not defined by my sport stuff that I shared with you earlier. I'm not defined by that. Praise God, because I'm not that great at it. But you're not defined by your job. You're not defined by your marital status. You're not defined by your parental responsibility or lack of, or if you're a good parent or a bad parent. You're not defined by that. You're not defined by your bank account or the home that you live in or the car you drove up in this morning. You're not defined by what others think about you. And friends, you are not defined by the worst moment in your life. Yeah, you just thought about that moment, didn't you? You're not defined by that. On the flip side, you're not defined by the best moment in your life either. But friends, God sees your identity as very, very different. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are who God says you are. Not who you say you are, not who I say you are. You are who God says you are. And God says this. God says you are accepted, not rejected. If you feel rejected by people or if you feel rejected even by yourself and your own standards, you need to remember that the almighty creator of the universe says you are accepted. If you need to understand something else here, if you... You're precious. You're not worthless. If you're feeling worthless, remember the price God paid for you to own you. He gave Jesus death on the cross for you. If you feel worthless and you remember that and you still feel worthless, we need some prayer. We need some talking because that makes you valuable. That makes you special. God says you are usable, not useless. You feel useless, like people don't have confidence in you. Remember, God has entrusted you with a tremendous responsibility, a responsibility greater than any responsibility you'll ever have on this planet, in this life, to praise him and to proclaim him to others, to show others the transformative work he's done in your life. God trusts you and says you're usable. And then finally, he says, you are forgiven, not forsaken. When you're feeling guilty, when you're feeling unlovable, when others remind you of your failures, when Satan tells you that you're not worthy, remember that God has granted you 
mercy and grace. And he sees you as forgiven. So let me go back to the start and introduce myself again. I'm Stan. I am accepted. I am precious. I am usable. And I am forgiven. Friends, I needed this message this week. And I suspect there's some people here that needed it too. So I want you to do this with me. We're going to make a declaration, okay? Over ourselves even, okay? Are you ready? Do we have that slide? Say this with me. I am accepted. I'm accepted. I am precious. I am usable. I am forgiven. Okay, I don't think you believe any of those things. Okay? Some of you do. Some of you are sitting there right now, and you walked in here today, and this wasn't your identity at all in your mind. You've been saying lots of other things about you. You've been listening to what other people are saying about you. You've been listening to what the enemy is saying about you. And you needed these words spoken over you today. I'm going to ask you to do something really bold right now. If you need these words spoken over you and prayed over you, I want you to stand up right where you're at right now. With everybody looking around, if you need this, if you need these words prayed over you, if you need this spoken over you, stand up. There's got to be more. Got to be more people that need this than what I'm seeing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to say that again, and I want you to, to say it like you really, really believe it, okay? We're going to go down, down the list again. Rapid fire. You ready? Okay. I am accepted. I am precious. I am usable. I am forgiven. One more time. I am accepted. I am precious. I am usable. I am forgiven. Yeah, that was worth a a clap, a golf clap. Friends, today, I don't know where you were when you walked into this room, but I want you to walk out of here today with this as your identity. Accepted. Precious usable, forgiven. Stay standing. I'm going to pray for you guys that were standing. I'll just pray it over people that were afraid to stand because other people were looking around. Everybody close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to pray for these guys and girls. Father, thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the reminder to me of what this means. And Lord, I pray for all those standing and all those sitting that need this these words spoken over them. Lord, I pray that they would understand their identity in you as accepted. Lord, I pray for those that that are, are feeling rejected right now, that you would remind them that they are accepted in you, and if nobody else cares, that's enough. Lord, I pray that those that are feeling a bit worthless right now would understand that in you they are precious. In your eyes they are precious. And they have more value than they could ever understand because of the price that you paid. And Father, for those that are feeling a bit useless, like they're good for nothing and not able to do anything right, Lord, I pray that you would remind them that they are usable in your sight. And that you have a responsibility for them and that you believe in them and that you trust them 
with that. And Father, for all of us, remind us fresh and anew as we live in the guilt and the shame of life and the things that we fall short in every day. Remind us of our identity as forgiven, not forsaken. Thank you, God, for what you have done to create an identity in us that is far beyond what we could have ever imagined for ourselves. Thank you that we are who you say we are in Jesus' name.